what is up, Daddy Gang? It is your single father, Alex Cooper, with Call Her Daddy. What is up, Daddy Gang? It is your founding father, Burkhardt for another episode of Call Her Daddy. Hello, 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 Daddy Gang. I hope you are all having an amazing Wednesday. If not, that's fine. You're listening to this podcast, so it's about to turn around real fucking quick. Daddy Gang, the guest today when she was 21 years old for three months, three months in her life in 2014, entered into the adult film industry having no idea how it would impact her life. And she is here today, a strong ass, independent, successful young woman because She refused to let social media define her reputation, to define her livelihood from a decision that she made in her early career. Her journey was painful and it was dark as fuck and difficult. And you want to talk about rising from the fucking ashes. This woman is honorary. Daddy gang, Mia Khalifa. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to be here. It's so crazy that you are here and I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I want to start by talking about our story together and how we discovered each other, how this came to be and like, why are we here today? I will go first. Okay. So when everything broke out with Call Her Daddy last year, I started seeing things about it pop up on my For You page on TikTok. And I became obsessed, like obsessed, consumed everything I could about it. I needed to know every single detail. And I was just so inspired by your strength through it all and the way you handled everything. And especially by that first video you did when you came back, that YouTube video was, oh my God. I think I saw someone parody parody it after the Oprah interview saying like they photoshopped the queen onto your face saying the queen after she watches this interview. Wait, I did not see that. (laughs) It was hilarious. Like it was incredible. You showed so much strength and you you made me a call her daddy fan. That's amazing to hear because I, well, thank you. First of all, I had always knew like knew who you were. And then I remember going to follow you and seeing that you followed me. And I went to DM you then because I'm like, I need to have this girl on the show. And then I saw that you had already DM'd me. And your DM to me was unbelievable. So thank you so much. It was uh, basically explaining exactly kind of what she said about the video. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to like, I knew knew you wouldn't see it because at that time you were just getting completely blown up. It was. I love how you say that and you have like 20 million followers. (laughs) You're like, I just like didn't know if you're going to see it. I'm like, I'm surprised you even know who I am. So thank you very much. I think I started it with, you'll never see this but yeah no I'm a big fan so thank you and um and I'm a huge fan I to give anyone context right now daddy gang listening I am sitting with Mia in her house right now and we hung out last night which I think was crucial for this interview because we wanted to kind of go through what Mia is going to be comfortable talking about not talking about and just so it can be an enjoyable experience for both of us and something that you're proud of and you want to put on the internet um, because I've seen some of your past interviews and the people <laughs> that interview are fucking assholes. I'm like, what the fuck are these people doing? So I want to give you a, hopefully a different experience today. As we kind of delve into some topics, some are going to be fun call her daddy topics and some will be more serious topics, but I just wanted to tell the daddy gang that Mia and I have had a conversation about what she's comfortable talking about today. Um, and the themes that we're going to be talking about, hopefully a lot of you will be able to relate. So, I want to kind of go through, Mia, you just explaining, like, your childhood and just where you're from and just giving a little bit of background on, like, who you are in case people don't know who you are. Okay. I moved to America in 2001 from Lebanon, and I grew up as one of the very few brown people in Montgomery County in the school that I went to. Um, It was... Me and a couple Indian kids, and that was it. So there was a lot of internalized racism against myself, and I wanted so badly to be white. 
and everyone was white and Jewish and I wanted to have a bar mitzvah and I wanted to do all of these things that everyone else was doing and eat the peanut butter jelly sandwiches in my lunch bag like everyone else. And there was a lot of bullying and a lot of things that ensued after 9-11 happened. So my childhood was a little rough. I didn't have too many friends. I was also extremely overweight and just did not fit in anywhere anywhere um so I turned inwards and I I I don't know I had a lot of shame over being different not being attractive um not getting not getting any positive attention or validation from myself so I sought for it elsewhere and by the time I was 16 I was dating someone who was 23 and you were looking for validation through yeah. men. Yeah. And yeah. We've, we'd had a conversation about that last night. I think to kind of go through some of your childhood, I think is thank you for sharing that. Cause those are like all themes. I think that a lot of people can relate to is one being bullied at a young age significantly affects your mental health and the way that you look at yourself in your adolescent years and then affects you. If you don't get into therapy or you don't address it, it affects you throughout the rest of your life and the decisions that you make and the relationships that you get into. Um, I can only imagine like you're saying you, so did you move here around the time of nine 11? Yeah. In January. So by the time school start, st- school started, nine 11 happened and being in DC, it was, did you grow up in New York? Uh, no, but Pennsylvania, but the Northeast, the, nor- the Northeast yeah. in general, yep. I think was differently affected by nine 11 than the rest of America 100%. because we didn't have school for like a week. Yep. We got sent home and did not go back for a week. Did and you do those trainings of like, if this ever happens again in school, like everyone was learning yeah. how to like, where to take cover in the like rooms. It was crazy. Yeah. Code school. red drills. Yep. <laughs> yep. And everyone brought like lunch boxes that you have to like pack to like have in case it was crazy times in the Northeast. Isn't it so wild that we look at like the red scare and how kids were hiding under their desks. So, oh like, my Oh my God, I can't believe they did that. Meanwhile, we're putting up cardboard over the small window in the classroom right? in case there's an active shooter or something. <sighs> times have changed, but it's, it's <gasps> kind of, same same same, but different same same but different so was it for you was it so hard coming from where you came from to then come to the United States and then to be in the United States around that time at such a young age like did you deal with bullying around not being from America yeah the accent I didn't lose until like probably middle school so there was bullying surrounding that there was bullying surrounding the way I looked the way I acted the food I brought to school Basically everything. Yeah. I just did – and I, I didn't know anything else, so I didn't know if I would ever fit in anywhere. I thought everywhere was like this. So you felt so, very isolated. Very. You said you grew up sort of from like a mil- – not a military background, but you did go to military school, etc. Yeah, for high school. So you were kind of on like a – I wouldn't say like a straight and narrow path, but you definitely were not living in a way that like your eyes were on you, your parents not were strict, but like you're going to military school. Yeah. Which, and so – when you get to your adolescent years, you go to college and like, can you talk about your experience with weight in college and like the transition from feeling like insecure and not confident in yourself and then having that body image changing in college to getting your boob job? Oh, the crazy thing is my body image didn't change until maybe like four or five years ago. Even when I, even after I lost all the weight between those few years after high school and uh, my early 20s, I thought it was my boobs that made me feel so low and so self-conscious about myself. But after I got my boobs and I was still, that one was a breast lift and implants. Oh. Because of my drastic weight loss. Got it. I had 34 triple Ds and then I lost 60 pounds and I had 32 A's, but I had all of this excess skin to the point where the doctor couldn't put implants in, otherwise my nipples would face like my toes. So they had to do a lift and then put implants in. And did the weight loss also affect other parts of your body, not just your boobs? Yes, so many parts. Got like, it. Yes. It was really hard for me to struggle with, especially having so many friends my age, right. seeing their bodies compared to mine. I, I looked like I had three kids. Like I, had, I, had, I still have all of this excess skin and stretch marks. The stretch marks I don't care about. It's... It's the it's what my skin does when I sit and when I move certain ways that you can tell that's like there's no way to fix that other than having it surgically removed. Oof! And I lost the weight in the worst possible way. What do you mean? How did you do it? Not eating, just being completely unhealthy, abusing laxatives, just doing all of these 
things to put my body through the ringer and lose this weight so drastically. Where, how, where were you like mentally in that state of your life? I hated myself. I, I didn't see the person that was actually there in the mirror. Even though I had already lost 60 pounds, I looked like a completely different person. Yeah. I did. I still saw that chubby girl that I kind of hated and was ashamed of. And I didn't feel as pretty as I was. So whenever I got attention from men, I felt like I need to hold on to this. I'm going to lose it. I might not ever get it again. Like, I don't know when this will pass again. It's like a shooting star. I need to hold on to this and do whatever I can to make them happy so that I can keep getting this. Because you hadn't gotten any of that while you were younger. Yeah. If anything, you were getting shamed about your body. Yeah, So to get any type of positive reinforcement about the way that your body looked from a man was something that you had not experienced. So it was like something, again, I get what you're saying you wanted to hold on to. Yeah. That's a lot of weight to lose, obviously. Yeah. And we had talked last night a little bit about your struggle with body image and having openly saying you were comfortable talking about having an eating disorder. And I think so many women struggle with weight in general, but to acknowledge and understand that you have an eating disorder, like, can you kind of walk us through that journey and how you've, well, you're saying it's been the past, what, four years you started to really love yourself. Can you kind of talk us about like what that journey has been for you? Therapy. I love therapy. There is nothing that that will fix you like therapy. Mia and I, I was like nervous to ask her because I'm like, oh God, like is this rude to ask if she's in therapy? No, we need to normalize asking people, yo, are you in therapy? Because I don't want you in my life unless you're in therapy. Like are you actively working on yourself? Last night I looked at Mia when she said yes. I was like, okay, now I fuck with you. This is amazing. We get along. And then to ask each other like, oh, are like our significant others in therapy? And we're like, absolutely. And I was like, I will never date another guy that isn't in therapy. No, you're a child if you're not in therapy. Yes. So you got into what age did you get into therapy? 2016. Okay. Like five years ago, I was 23, 24, maybe. Got it. Um, and it w- completely changed my life. And I, I've heard, I've heard you say you need to try different therapists. Totally. And I fully agree with that. It's, it's like, like dating. Yeah, it's like dating. It's like having a trainer. It's like having a dermatologist. Like you're not just going to mesh with the first one you and go to. And that's okay. Yeah. So your experience with therapy has helped you dealing with that body image. Not just the body image. Well, a lot of other shit. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Everything seems to tie back to shame. Yeah. It's the most powerful emotion a human can experience. Yep. It's crippling. It's debilitating. It can change the way you look at yourself. You look at others. You. It's the number one thing that you should probably work on if you have any other surrounding issues. Yeah. Everything leads back to shame. Well, I. That's what I wanted to talk about. So, Daddy and Mia and I had a conversation. I think we're sitting here and obviously there is an event in your life that happened that I'm sure you're tired of talking about. Um, and it has definitely affected your life and, and everyone listening, you may or may not know about that event. We're not here to talk about the event. I almost want to start now, like after this, this porn scene goes viral, who was that girl the minute that goes viral? And like from then to now, cause last night you were saying you're the happiest you've been in your life to have the most isolating feeling like you're alone. You have people sending you death threats. You have your family at the time, not supporting you where, like, where was your head at? And like, how did you get here today? You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people wouldn't have been able to get through that mentally and, and your mental health. I'm wondering like, where were you mentally post that video? So I don't know where I was because that is around the time that I started dissociating. And just compartmentalizing everything and pretending like things never happened to the point where I didn't even talk about porn for the first like three years after. I just went quiet, never spoke about it. Anytime I would do an interview, that was the one thing they were not allowed to ask me about. I refused to even acknowledge that I did it. And it wasn't until therapy that I realized how detrimental that is. I can't just scooch things under the rug and hope that they go away that's not how it works you have to face them head on and acknowledge them and talk about them it's it's that feeling of like I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to bring attention to it but I need to talk about it because I need to explain myself because everyone is just misinterpreting the whole thing right so it's that catch-22 of not wanting to bring it up and needing to bring it up because it's the it's like the elephant in the room everywhere you go I remember last night you saying like you're at first the 
your pseudo name Mia at first was like hard for you at times to hear because you're like oh my god it probably brought you back to those days in porn and being like I don't really want to associate with that person we were joking it was almost like the Miley Cyrus Hannah Montana effect where like you're living two different lives yeah and that mentally can fuck with someone yeah like if you're living two different lives it can directly affect your mental health and it's like well which one who do you address first Mia or who you actually are and like how much of Mia is you I guess I'm trying to understand, like, as a young woman feeling so alone in those moments, like, if you were kind of not thinking about it, what were you doing in your life post that video? Like, where did you go? Like, what were you doing? How were you making money? I was working as a paralegal at a law firm, and then I was working as a bookkeeper at a construction firm, and then... I was like, okay, I'm tired of living in this $500 a month efficiency. It was disgusting. It was so bad. Cockroach infested. It was the worst times of my entire life. And you were not ma- really making money. No. And no, that, was that was like such a, like such a topic on the internet of like, how is this yeah. girl lying about how much money she was making, which I know you were vocal about how you basically didn't make any money from this, the videos that you made. And then they ended up making so much money and like, whatever that topic was, I'm sure hard for you. Cause then you're living and slumming it yeah. in a place that you're like, everyone thinks I've made it. Like I'm yeah. not, I don't have shit to my name right now. I have like right 2 million now. followers on Instagram. Everyone thinks I'm living it up. Like that is not the case. And you had lost your Instagram. I did. Yeah. It and got when, hacked. When it got hacked. And then I, I didn't, I didn't create one for like a year. And then I created one in 2016 when I decided to move to Austin. Why did you decide to come back to social media? Because I knew at that point there is no turning back. Everyone knows who I am. Right. I can't work anywhere. That's why I left the law firm job. It was very uncomfortable for me to work there. Well, actually, the company dissolved, but I was very uncomfortable working there. Can you there. explain that experience? Yeah, it's very weird to go into a job interview thinking, oh, I'm just going to go back to normal life and having the interviewer ask you if, if, you, if you did porn. Right. There is nothing. Oh, do you think they're asking you that because they knew? Yes. Yeah, they got recognized it. me. And I went to a couple interviews where some comments were made. And then I finally got a job at the law firm. And then I got a job working for a friend's company at the construction firm. And then I just realized I... You feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable everywhere I go. Like, I, I can't be sent into the field. They have to be careful about who they let in the office because some subcontractors are creepy. Like, right. I started to feel like a burden on the person who was taking a chance on me and giving me a job. Wow. To say you felt like a burden to the people that were giving you a job. Yeah. You are an educated, smart woman who deserves to be at that job. You made a decision in your life that a lot of women make. I've made a sex tape with a boyfriend and maybe it didn't happen to go viral, but there was a chance people's nudes get released. People decide to do porn. And, but I think back to the point of you being a paralegal, the fact that you were a paralegal Mia, like you're, I didn't say I was a good one. No, I, <laughs> I know you were a good one. No, but no. I can tell you're a smart, educated woman. So like I, the, that was the first thing when I sat down with you last night, I was like, this girl's fucking smart. And the same way about you. So, but it's, it's crazy to then think that you had to feel you couldn't fully get into a job and allow yourself to go full force at a job because you were being haunted by a decision you made in your past. Yeah. After you left and decided to get back into social media, what was your like mindset? Like, who did you want to present to the world? Were you thinking that you were going to have to completely remake yourself or you knew people were going to comment? Like, how did you think, how did you kind of strategize? The way I got myself to Austin was I started camming and oh. I camped in Austin for about a year before I decided, okay, I, I don't want to do anything nude ever again. Can you explain camming to people that don't yeah, understand Yeah, it's the just like, oh, I had a very different experience with camming. Okay. Um, I was probably the worst cam girl in history. <laughs> Mia, I love the authenticity. I would leave the camera on in my empty room and hear like the tips go off, knowing that they're trying to get my attention to come back in. But I'd be watching Netflix in the living room Shut and the just fuck have up. it on. I was You're like, so guys, bad. this is an unbelievable episode <laughs> of America's Next Top Model. I can't miss it. Hold your money. I'll be right back. <laughs> so you were just like not invested in it. No, I was. I would. No, the entire time I was doing it, I was trying to get my foot in the door doing other things. Like right. I was writing uh, for this website called Fansided. Okay. I think their website hasn't been updated since like 2005. It's okay. just, it's so bad. But I was writing this like weekly column of my 
top seven picks in football and doing all of these things. So and you're trying to venture out while yeah. also being like, okay, I need to try to make a living and I'll yeah. try to do camming while I'm trying to figure out where can I place myself and where will I be able to fit in? Not something sexually oriented. Yeah. And Complex took a chance on me and they gave me a little gig hosting a show with my hero, Gilbert Arenas. That's amazing also. Yeah, it went well. So you're living in Austin. You go from camming, trying to now find jobs. You get a couple gigs then where does your career take, like, where does it take you? So you decide I'm done with camming. Yeah. When did you make the decision? Was that when you made the decision? Like I'm completely done with anything yes. sexual. Yes. I think it was June 17th, 2017. Were you nervous? Like in that decision? No, no, no because I gave myself a one year timeline and I did it in 11 months. What do you mean a one year timeline? I only wanted to cam for one year. And if I didn't figure it out, that fucking sucks. I guess I have to move back into an, an efficiency. Got it. I so you're don't saying do you gave yourself one year of like, you can rely on this like sexual aspect of yeah. your career, but once that's, it's done. Yeah. So, and we, when you're saying Austin, how did you end up in Austin? Cause you're saying you're, I mo- Oh, everything happened in Miami. All like, got it. My worst years of my life were played out in Miami, Florida. Do you ever go back there? Is I like went sc- back once. Oh my God. Is it like scary to go? It's so scary. Like PTSD a little? Yes. Yes. I'm very sensitive to number one smells and number two places. Right. So anytime I drive by a place where like something happened or like I have a memory there. It's like a visual trigger. Yes. Very. So being back in Miami was like, God, there was streets I couldn't drive down. There was places I couldn't go to. Food I couldn't order. We said we're going to keep it vague, but toxic, manipulative relationships and men in your life, what do you think was like the reason you got into them and how did you get out of them? I got into them because I didn't think highly of myself. I thought that that was the best that I deserved. And even more than that, I thought, let me overextend myself and over deliver and over just just do everything to the extreme to keep this person happy because they are the best that I can do. Right. I can't do any better. How did you get out of like one of your most toxic relationships? My most toxic one I actually got out of around the same exact time that I got out of porn because I came to the realization that these, these two things correlate. Right. And I would not be here if it wasn't for, the other thing. So recognizing that made me, it made me, it made me grow pretty fast because it made me realize a bunch of other things about myself and the decisions I make. But I think the, the most that I took away from it was I have not been thinking for myself and I have been making decisions with other people's best interests in mind, not my own. I've been trying to please people who aren't worthy of that instead of taking care of myself and standing up for myself. Dude, that's so profound too, because when I think back to our conversation last night of you being saying it went hand in hand with deciding you were done with porn, deciding you were done with a relationship, the way that you've spoken prior to like about that effect it had on your life it also makes sense then like how you almost probably felt like so out of control yeah. of like, wait, wait. And, and I feel like everyone may have those moments in your life where you go a little too far. Like you're dating the bad boy for a little too long. And, and then, then you're in jail. Right. <laughs> and, and literally. And then you're in jail or you wake up and you're like, oh God, like I've been partying too hard and now I'm in jail or I got a DUI. And like you went after the video came out, how long after did it take you to be like, what am I doing? It took, it took a, a it took a month or two. Yeah. It took long enough for me to realize I'm being put in danger. Yeah. I'm just going along with what people want to do and I'm putting myself in danger. Like these aren't shackles. I don't I don't have to be here. No one no one can force me to do this if I don't want to. And as soon as I realized that, I I knew I could get out. But do you feel like what the minute you knew you get out and I guess that's where it almost goes then to what we had been talking about about your job like a lot of girls, I feel like, don't get out of it, regardless of whether it's porn or a bad relationship or maybe you're not happy where you are in your life at, like, a job or college. Like, the the concept of getting out of something when you're so deeply, not only deeply ingrained, but then in your situation to the extreme of, like, can I get out? Yeah. Is there – where am I going if I get out? That, into an efficiency in North Miami. R- Moving into the cockroach-infested right. efficiency. So That's how you get out. Right. And so then you're, like, so – 
So that, that's what I'm trying to understand. Like as a young, you were 21. Yeah. As a 22, as like a young female with, you don't have the finances to be like, Oh, I'm out of here. I'm going to go get myself a nice apartment. A lot of girls usually cling to bad relationships or in your case, stay in something because they're like, I have nothing else. How low mentally you had to have been to then how strong you were to be like, as low as I am, I can't stay here. Did you ever think once you went to the efficiency to be like, I, should I just go back? No, you didn't. No. And I, I did absolutely nothing for a year. I didn't decide maybe it wasn't even, maybe I should go back. It was more so like I, I rationalized what camming was and I knew that I could do it from a place where I felt safe. I could do it from my home. I don't need to see anyone or interact with anyone and I can, I can do what I want to do. Right. So I rationalized that as this is the best decision I can make for myself in my life right now. Now, I made the decision in a bad way. I could have completely done it on my own, but instead I went back to a place I should not have and worked for them. Got it. People that, yeah, that yes. you know prior. And that was my biggest mistake. Had, did you – I'm interested to know because I think like the the – theme of loneliness i'm sure maybe you can tell me if i'm wrong but maybe that was probably the loneliest time in your life yeah did you have any friends that like girlfriends at the time or were you so isolated i was so isolated i had no one but the guy i was dating at the time and even then my only friends were were his friends so i had no women i had no girlfriends. I didn't really speak to anyone from back home. Right. My family wasn't talking to me. I just had these two dogs. I've had I've had these two dogs since I was Dude, 18, yeah. 19. Do you understand how that sounds? Like, I'm trying to, un- like, I have so much respect for you because I'm like, you decide to leave the porn industry. Your family is not in your life at that point. You have a boyfriend that wasn't obviously the best decision. You're also saying, so, like, you're alone how like how did you mentally where like you were just blacking out like where how did you even cope with that like I'm I feel so I want to give that girl a hug I feel like any female being by I mean man or female like being by yourself in that moment having no one to turn to no girlfriend you can call and cry to like who were you crying to yourself and your like how did literally you- myself in that little efficiency on the Ikea bed <laughs> like I I spent so much time in my in my room just crying or going for drives because I felt pretty free being God. able to drive and having yeah. a car. Um, and at that time, did you go out in public and people knew who you were? I was vi- that was that was one of the things that made me feel even more isolated. I was so scared of going out in public because I was alone most of the time. I saw my boyfriend Saturday Sunday. That was it. Uh, you know, if if I saw him that week, but. I was alone most of the time. I was scared to go to the grocery store. I was scared to go do laundry. I was scared to go do anything that required me getting out of the confines of either a car or my four walls because I had already been at that point followed to my car. Death threats, rape threats, everything you can think of. Like thinking at the time being banned from my home country. Like them literally saying you are not welcome back on our soil. Like all of these things that made me feel like no one knows what I'm going through and I don't want to tell anyone because I don't feel like I don't feel like the people I do talk to about it will be able to to fathom what I mean when I say I feel alone like I I feel alone globally not just like oh I'm lonely right it's not like a oh I'm feeling lonely tonight I am but it wasn't until I started talking about it that I realized so many people feel this way for so many different reasons. Right. You don't need to have Twitter completely against you or an entire army on the internet coming after you for you to feel this way. It can be something as small as your family. Just look at like uh, girls that oh or men. You have a family member that doesn't want to accept you and you feel lonely, or you have a bad relationship with your parents, or your friends, you lose a friend group, or you're in college and you find out that your best friend was talking shit on you, and now it's like, do I need to find a new friend group? Those are obviously lower to what your extreme was, but like the concept of feeling so alone and having no one to go to is something every single person listening to this podcast can relate to. Everyone is fighting a battle that they feel like telling someone about they won't understand. When you 
I, I guess it's just fascinating to me you being in that low place because like I said I have so much respect like how you we're now sitting in this amazing house like what do you have anything you remember other than those drives are amazing that you're saying you took was there anything else that you would like have in your brain that kept you going like did you have a goal or did you have like what was what was in your mind of like I am so alone globally and I'm getting banished from where I was literally born like where did your head go to like what kept you going in those moments I I don't know my number one my dogs like what kept me alive and kept me from actually giving into thoughts that were entering my head was literally my dogs I had no next of kin at that point. I thought like I had no one to take them. I was the reason that they would be alive every day. So they consumed my entire life. And that's why I love them so much, especially this one, my firstborn. You, you asked me yesterday, who's your favorite? I was like, this one, one. but like, who asks that? Right. (laughs) I know, but I I had to ask. So your dogs, which like people can like laugh at. I think that's like very uh, like reasonable. Are you kidding me? A bond with an animal absolutely makes sense. My dogs and finding communities online. Like I found a little sports community and I found, I I just found different, different places online that I, I felt like I could be myself and be at home. And I didn't really start to feel like I had a place in the world until I met my best friend in the entire world, Rachel. Oh. Who, by the way, is freaking out that I'm on this show. Wait, really? Yes. Shout out, Rachel. Yes. Shout out, Rachel Ray. I fucking love you. Wait, but Rachel Ray, not the chef. Rachel Ray, not the chef. Oh, and not the girl that Jay-Z cheated with. I oh, my like, God. I was like. That was her Instagram bio for the longest time. Stop. <laughs> Wait, that is actually amazing. I'm like, Rachel Ray? Like, really? Wow. Wait, how did you meet Rachel? Online. On Twitter. Wow. We started DMing each other. One day, we realized we were wearing the si- She posted a picture on her, on her Twitter. And then I posted one on mine, and we realized we were wearing the same thing. So we literally DM'd each other, should we move in together? Stop. And I said, yes, I'll move to Austin right now. So that is when I up and decided I'm moving to Austin. I have a life in Austin now. I have a friend. I have my first girlfriend in years. Wait, that's so interesting because I'm going back to social media for a lot of people is the antithesis of everything they're like I hate it so much it makes me feel small at that point it was your escape completely because you didn't have to leave your house it felt weird saying social media was my escape because social media was probably the spawn of most of my pain right but But in the beginning when you that I'm dude the fact that you couldn't go outside and you felt so unsafe. Did you, was it also safety, but was it also like, not, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's the word paranoia, but um, like, does that, has that man watched my video? Like, is he staring 100%. at me through my clothes type shit? My anxiety would completely take over and I couldn't look anyone in the eyes without wondering, oh my God, have they, do they know? Right. Do they know? Have they, it, uh, yeah, those thoughts. Oh, like even, even being in this room right now, like I, that, that goes through my head. And makes me feel uncomfortable to, like, walk by people or get too close or, like, all of these things. Like, I wondering, don't... like, oh, did they did, – have they Googled me before? Like, have they looked at my shit before? Like, is that something that, like, still stays with you today? Yeah. yeah. And you're working on that in therapy. I am working on it. Yeah. Yeah. I try and ground myself when my when my thoughts go to that. And right. I try and think, and? Right. Yeah. Like, where – where what has – have you gotten in therapy from that? Like, where do you – are you trying to get mentally when you go out? And because I imagine public settings for you, I understand now like full PTSD, anxiety driven. Yeah. Has this person looked me up before? Not that there's any fucking thing wrong with it, but understanding that in the beginning after that video came out, judgment, societal judgment and shame was put on you. You can feel however you want about it and you can have your, oh, I shouldn't have done that or, oh, I wish I had. But for other people to place judgment on you, that's where I have the issue of like, why do people continue to bring it up? Nothing is changing from the decision you made and to be the woman you are today. It frustrates me to see people still commenting on a decision you made seven years ago. If we all fucking brought out our skeletons in the closet and continue to bring them up every fucking time you post a picture or something, it frustrates me that that is one negative social media, that they can make things live forever that don't need to live forever. Yeah. People grow, people change. Um, and again, like I said, you did nothing wrong. So I guess the Rachel you finding a friend because that's I mean any daddy gang listening like I think back to like you're saying you didn't have a girlfriend oh, it was the first time I felt unconditional love in 
probably since I was a teenager. So you meet online. Did she know who you were? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We met on Twitter. Like, she full-on knew who I was. Right. And from the beginning did not care. And from the beginning was my bulldog. And she was the only reason I was able to go out and enjoy things in Austin. Wow. Because for the first time in my life, I felt like I have someone in my corner if, like, something happens or if someone comes up to me and tries to tries to do something or say something right because prior to that you had been fully alone and then any man in your life was also had a hidden agenda so trust also issues must be huge for you she really helped me rebuild my trust in people in general and I, I think that if it wasn't for her I wouldn't be in a place in my life where where I could where I could have someone who deserved me right that's interesting I think like it's so crazy because friendship is so underrated because I feel like a lot of time in the podcast I'll talk about like who is your significant other and half the time you couldn't maybe have gotten to a place to have a significant other had you not found Rachel first because Rachel was showing you unconditional love and I'm sure the relationship and the dynamic between you and men was so threatening to you mentally at the time from what you had just gone through so then to have a female in your life maybe that was like the best opportunity for you to like start to put your toe in the water of like can I trust people now yeah has your let's talk a little bit about with regard to your relationships um I know you had mentioned that you had a very toxic relationship that was um you were young and whatever and you felt like it was very strange imbalanced relationship of him being older you being younger I've had I've been in three relationships in in my life including my my me and my husband right now got it um the first relationship I was ever in was the most naive facade of a relationship you could ever imagine I I don't I don't even want to call it a relationship because I was I got married four days after my 18th birthday yeah, if a guy ever says you're mature for your age, fucking run. <gasps> run the oh. other way and call the police probably right. just to be safe. That is like – that is I'm too old for you, but I'm not cool enough for any girls my age. Like the motto. Belittling of you. Yeah. No, right. that is that is their motto. That's like what they wear on the patch that lets others know, hey, I'm a groomer. Right. Like you, I'm going for younger girls. Yes. And you're so mature for being a younger girl. Yes. Oh, you're so, so mature for your age. Like it was – ridiculous you started dating when you were 16 yes oh, that's fucking young as yeah, shit it was so you kind of were young. like unaware even of really what you yes. were doing like and then I was immediately thrown into the wife role and the I need to please him keep him like do all of these things right. to make to not make him lose attention or to to not make him lose his focus on me right his interest yeah yes but do you do you think that was um half in your head half the way he was treating you or was it fully by the way he was treating you or do you think it was still in that self-validation like I need him to love me love me love me I think I was vulnerable enough right to where everything that he tried went through like a hot knife and butter got it it was just too easy because I was so low mentally yeah I didn't see anything in myself I didn't see anything special or worthy or important and I just I, I let him tell me what I was worth that's like a deep ass statement because we talked about that last night. I remember we were exactly where we were standing in the kitchen and we talked about how, how unhappy you are with yourself directly affects the partners you choose. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to have, you don't have to have a lot, but like friends around you. Yeah. And that's probably why it was hard for you to get out of these things too. Because like you said, you didn't have anyone to be like, Hey, um, Mia. Yeah. I was like, so isolated. He but, moved me across the country and I didn't, I, I was in a completely different time zone than everyone else I ever knew. I was in a new place every like couple of years. It was, it was insane. Do you have any advice for women that feel they are in a to- they because it's so fucking hard to see when it's toxic. Oh yeah, and then the toxic becomes addicting, and yeah. you don't know how to then have a normal, healthy relationship. But do you have any advice for like one, like how how to get out? Like it's not easy. Like and it's a process. And I I know friends and and family members who have been in toxic situations that it's like it's okay if it takes you a year to first start. self actualizing and having the conversation like how would it look if I leave him and how would this and and your safety and what's going to happen like there's so many things that go into leaving but for you specifically using your own story like how could you help younger women or or women that are married right now who fucking knows how old you are young you are how did you personally be like enough is enough because I couldn't imagine going 
back to the way things were after I, after I came to the realization of this is, this is not me. This isn't what I want to do. And it'll be hard and scary. And I do not know what that road looks like, like at all. Right. I was fucking terrified, but I knew that I could not go back to that relationship because it would still be that same vicious cycle of the, his perverse thoughts and his fetishes and all of these things that I no longer wanted to be a part of or play into or placate or pretend like I had interest in. Right. Because at that point I realized you don't deserve me. I am better than you. Yes, bitch. Full judgment. Yes, bitch. I'm so much better than you. Yes. Oh my God, I want to like cry. But it's so so hard to tell women like you're better than that. What you need is to... It's first working on yourself to even know what you need and who you are and what you're worth. Not just working on yourself, but talking to the people around you and not being stuck in that that mindset of they're not going to understand if I tell them. They're going... they won't be able to comprehend the things that I'm going through. Yeah. Like, take that step. It's scary, but take that step and talk to people first. A relationship I wanted to talk to you about in the sense of like d- unconventional sex and things that, you know, there are some girls that are like, hey, like my boyfriend um, wants me to peg him. Is he gay? Like you've had sexual relationships where, or a sexual relationship where you were like, Oh, this was different. Yes. And, and the process of how it transpired and how it unfolded and him explaining to you what he wanted. Um, can you, can you explain that? Because I think it's not, we're not shaming anyone. It's almost like you want to explain the process of how it was presented to you. Yeah. And in a, in an accepting way. Like we want to talk about it. It's call her daddy. Like, can you explain what that dynamic was sexually? It was the most unconventional and eye opening sexual di- dynamic I've ever been a part of. And okay. I'm not going to say who the person was. You don't need to. Um, but I do feel like it was very much a shared experience. And I was, I was, a, I was 50% of that. Great. And it then becomes one of my life experience as well. And, I treasure it and I'm still curious about it. Yeah. So I want to talk about it because I've never talked about it before. Yeah. I had a relationship with a guy who was very curious about being the woman in the relationship and dressing, dressing the part, acting the part to the extent of me pegging him and me playing the part of the man. Yep. And it started very gradually, like early in the relationship, testing the waters with just my underwear and then it extended into my lingerie and then it extended into getting him his own lingerie and his size and then it went into full-on wardrobe and outfit and shoes and wigs like really good quality wigs you're like well we're spending a lot on this this is high <gasps> oh quality God, sex like baby four hundred dollars on a wig one holy <laughs> shit so and and um mia swaka through because i remember you had said like how did how did he first engage like how did he first let you know that he was interested in this like it was so minor basic right it was yeah it was like very small steps right and I think he at the same time was was experimenting with it I I don't think it was something that was he was also you're saying like coming to this in his own like he had never fully gone through this so we were very vocal with each other about about what we wanted to try next and what he wanted to to do next and I just kind of was like down this is your safe space. I, you tell, you tell me what you want to do next and I will do what I can to make that a safe, comfortable, enjoyable experience for you. So that ended up being the only relationship where I was cheated on in my life. Like that was one of the worst relationships. Wait, the guy that you pegged? Yes. Wait, what an asshole. Yes. You give him the dick and he goes to find new dick? Oh my God. Not only that. Do you know how expensive fake boobs are? No. Not like my fake boobs, but like fake boobs to put on him, to put on a man. Yeah. You bought him. I invested so much into that relationship. I bought myself a dick and you tits, okay? And where do I get, where does that get me cheated on? Wait, you bought him boobs. Yes. And you bought him wigs. Yes. Why were you buying it, not him? Just because you had the money or no? Yeah. You were just do, or you were just go to the store and get the shit. Yeah. And I so, would go and like try it on and got it. Like the wigs and stuff. So you were fully committed to this, which is great on you. And, and wait, didn't you say last night that was some of the best sex you had ever had though? Yes, because it was just, it, like all your inhibitions were both yes. down and you're just like, we're trying something so different When here. someone puts 
all of their guards down and no pun intended, but they're right in front of you and probably the most vulnerable position they will ever be in their entire life. You can't help but feel a connection. The vulnerability aspect. Yes. Like, sorry, but pegging your dude in front of you, like that man is on all fours. I mean, that becomes a shared experience. Exactly. Like what we did isn't just his experience. It was also mine. And it made me question things about myself. Like, I liked being in that male role. I really thoroughly enjoyed that, like genuinely. And right. and I, I think I'm conscious enough now, like as old as I am after all the therapy I've been in, to recognize the difference between doing something to please a man and doing something that I also enjoyed. Do you think that it had anything to do, and I could be reaching here, but do you think it also had anything to do with like you've been so out of control in some things in your life that like maybe it was kind of hot for you to you to be the one I think a lot of people write it off as oh she's a boss at work so she or no she's he's a he's a boss at work so now he wants to be like treated like uh I think a lot of people write it off as being that but what uh, but what I came face to face with was my own gender identity and like questioning who am I who do I who do I think I am like who do I want to be? What role do I want to play? Do I want to be in a relationship with a woman where I can be slightly more masculine and enjoy that dynamic? And fascinating. That opened my eyes to it. And therapy also opened my eyes to the possibility of that is probably the case. It's right. not it's not just Oh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a boss, boss at, at work. work. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, that's pretty surface yeah. level to thought. I, that's fascinating. You had, you had those thoughts prior to that relationship or no, I was in, I was in a relationship with a woman when I was a teenager and Got it. she was, she was, she was incredible. And I've, I've always loved women. Right. I've never, I've never written off dating a woman, but it made me, it, it made me question what type of relationship I would be in if I was in a relationship with a woman. And it made me realize, I think I, I think I would want to play the, not, the not more, play. I don't, I don't even know how to talk. This is like, actually my first time ever talking. No, about I, it. I appreciate it because I know so many men and women write in and what would my, I think it was more of like, what would my role be? Yeah. Um, like what, uh, it, it, made, it made me question what I want, whether I want yeah. to be with a man or whether I want to be with a woman and feel, feel that way. Cause I really liked the tenderness that came along with taking care of the version right. of him that, you know, we explored together. I kind of love that too, that you're saying like you both were getting so much out of that dynamic. Yeah. And I think that's, a huge point for sexual exploration to daddy gang listening. It has to be mutual. Yes. And you have to create a safe space for the person who is just being, being extra the, vulnerable. Yeah, being the most vulnerable. Yeah. Can we talk about the um, thing that I told you right before this interview? What? Um, Malala. Daddy gang. Oh this is, my God. This is, and this is what I wanted to talk to her about because I was saying, you know, I, I wrote down, I was like, the question of how far do we let the public go in defining us as women before we take over and define ourselves? And I, I'm, I'm reading online before this interview, and I'm looking up that Pakistani education activist Malala, who is the youngest woman to just win a Nobel Peace Prize, you tweet at her? No, I commented on her TikTok. Yes. And- so you comment on one of her TikToks saying, Queen. <laughs> Yes. And she comments back. she had back, just recently created one. And she comments back, and Mia didn't even know this until I <gasps> sat down today. She broke the news to me. I started freaking out. Wait, no. You sat down, and you were like, can I ask you about Malala? And I'm like, why Why are we talking about Malala? I'm like, because of the article I was just reading <gasps> and how she commented back to you, and she's getting scrutinized on the internet. I think for- I got up, screamed, and ran for my phone. The article discusses how she commented back to you and said, my bestie. And she's getting, was getting scrutinized on the internet for having any type of relation with you. And it frustrated me in the sense that like the relationship between the two of you and who you are as women, that says so much to me about that relationship. Why is this woman getting scrutinized for, for something that happened in your past seven years ago? Yeah. Like that makes no fucking sense to me. Yeah. And so I thought that that article was profound in the sense of like people on the internet just want to bring up negative shit to bring up negative shit. Yeah. You have two unbelievably educated women who are yes, in their careers doing different things. But at the end of the day, the fact that she has, she has respect for you and you have respect for her. And then there's people shitting on her for, associating with you 
how has that affected you mentally in like, have you had issues with people not wanting to work with you or like backlash? Like explain that kind of, yeah. I mean, I've been rejected from a lot of female hosted podcasts like, Oh, not, not brand safe. Sorry. Like, Oh, well on call her daddy here, (laughs) sweetheart. We don't focus on brand safe. We focus on real and authentic. We focus on not losing our sponsors every week. (laughs) Well, I, thankfully I have sponsors that trust me. So here we go. Thank God. But no, I know what you're saying. So people have, have turned you away. I've had brands turn me away. I've had podcast hosts turn me away. I've had people tell other people not to associate with me because of my past. Like I, I'm very used to having that door shut in my face, but it hurts a little bit more when it comes from women and it hurts a little, like it hurts even more when I see other women getting shit for interacting with me. Like Mina Harris started getting shit for following me on Twitter and saying, how can you, like, how can you be in the position of leadership you are and follow a girl who's on OnlyFans or follow a girl who did this? And I started to have imposter syndrome. Like, I, you're, yeah, I'm not worthy. Yeah, this woman is a badass leader. Right. And so in, her, her female voice is so incredible and impactful. I started having thoughts of, I should probably just deactivate my Twitter. I'm not worthy of having a follow from her. I'm embarrassed for anything that's ever been on my Twitter, anything I've ever said, because I don't want to disappoint this person. And this person is like clean and untouched. And right. you know what I mean? Well, I think Mia one, she clearly sees something in you. She made the decision to follow you. No one forced her to follow you. So give yourself a little bit more credit because seriously, like she followed you for a reason. Also like thinking about how I've changed as a person in the past year past two years past three years not saying that you need to change and like we need to wipe clean anything you've done you've done nothing wrong it's not change it's growth that's what we've done we've gotten older we've grown we've learned we we see a version of ourselves that we want to be and we go after it and to be put down like mine is on such a smaller scale so I never want to compare but like but you run the biggest podcast in the world no but (laughs) no but like we talked about this last night I was like I have had in the beginning, before it got big, my family, people were looking at my family like, your daughter is a slut. Your daughter is talking about blowjobs. Your daughter is, your daughter is blah, 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 blah. And my mom got frustrated because the only comments that were ever made was like, what does her father think? What does her dad think? Yeah. Why do, why, why do you, what is it about my dad? That What's the difference? My mother birthed me. Oh my why gosh. are they so focused on the daughter to father dynamic and it's just because of societal stigma that people have put on that the dad must be so disgraced that the daughter and it's like what the fuck you just encapsulated middle eastern female issues in one fell swoop i really yeah that was insane the first thing that an arab woman gets asked is what family are you from who's your father like anytime someone sees some sees them doing something haram or just not up to their standards. The first thing they're asked is, what family do you come from? And, and it's, it's like, like, what does it matter what family? I, I don't speak for them. They right. don't speak for me. Right. I am my own person. It doesn't matter what, fa- yeah. What, what does that have to do with my family? Same thing like as they what They need to does- judge your entire lineage based on the decisions they are watching you make. And, and then it goes now to someone following you on in, or Twitter. Now it goes all the way to that to be like, yeah. why does someone following you? That doesn't mean that that person believes everything you do yeah but why it's just so crazy to me like and I think it's been frustrating as females to sometimes like try to have a voice and then people can't fully take us seriously when we talk about sex or we have had a sexual past like fuck first of all fuck all of you because you've all had sex you're alive because your parents were fucking maybe I have a sex take somewhere that's gonna come out am I not allowed to do something because like Mia has porn oh my god so that defines you for the rest of your life it just It really aggravates me to think about like the dynamic of how something in your past can continue to like people are saying haunt you. Why? Oh, I mean, it it goes both ways too. It's either it haunts me like how dare you have done that or I get shit for doing anything I do now. Like I'm on OnlyFans doing non-nude and people are mad at me for number one, not being nude or number two, having the audacity to be on a site like OnlyFans and not do nude content. Wait, can you explain that? Yeah, what is your, well, one, how did you decide not to post nude content on OnlyFans? I just haven't done nude content. I, I was on Patreon before, yep. and I just decided to switch platforms. I was tired of Patreon. It wasn't user-friendly. I hated running it. It was too much work. I just decided to do what I was doing on Patreon, but 
on a different platform. Yep. And I didn't think much of it. And the reason I switched to OnlyFans is, honestly, it was meant to just be not... I needed to raise $100,000 to send to the Lebanese Red Cross after the Beirut blast. And I thought Mm. OnlyFans, everyone's on OnlyFans. It'll be the best way to make money. And then I got shit for using money I made off OnlyFans to donate to the Lebanese Red Cross. (laughs) People were like, how dare you send this dirty whore money to Lebanon? We don't need this. Like, what? Wait, what? (laughs) So it's like you can't do anything. You're not in a position to pick and choose where the money is coming from. Yeah, what? Like, I'm being, I, you are graciously offering. The lira is worth, like, a fraction of a cent. You have no place to sit and nitpick where the money is coming Wait, from to so the Lebanese they, Red Cross. Did they accept the money? That's not on them. It's the yes, the Lebanese Red Cross accept donate to the Lebanese Red Cross. Holy shit. They'll accept money from anyone. It's it wasn't the people who were actually in charge of getting it. It was backlash from Lebanese Got people. It. Now there was also a lot of support and a lot of appreciation for from Lebanese people. But what I'm saying is you cannot please Anyone. anyone you can't please anyone. anyone it's like me is like i'm gonna use my only fans and i'm gonna take all my money a hundred thousand dollars and i'm gonna put it to an amazing cause and then they're like that's disgusting mia that's from only fans as you're not stripping you're not doing and if yeah. you were if you were fucking putting a dildo in your pussy who gives a shit you're giving to yeah. an organization and it's like a cause that you are passionate about how has your relationship we're swerving here but like I'll go back to OnlyFans in a second. How has your relationship after being banned? You were banned from Lebanon mm-hmm. for how long? Until they decided that you know I was allowed to come back recently. <laughs> right. Okay. And my rela- my relationship with my home country has changed one eighty in the last year, and it wow. was it was after the Beirut blast that people really started to 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 realize what is important in life. Like yeah. every, everyone was taking stock of, of things in their life. And I think a lot, a lot of people were just more open-minded. We were all just in a set in, in a mindset of we're Lebanese. We need to protect each other. Yeah, like we need family. to support each other. Yeah. Exactly. Like there's not many of us and even our own are trying to kill us. Like right. we have to stick together. And that is when the conversation around me and Lebanon changed. And I'm so, I'm so thankful for it because I, I think that has to that has to do with why I feel like I'm in such a good place in my life. Can you explain to me what is your career right now and like where are you kind of like seeing it going? I I'm in a weird place in my career right now where I can take it any direction I want and I'm it's so insane. fortunate for that. I have so many exciting things ahead, but right now I'm loving being on OnlyFans. I'm really? seriously loving it and it's it's not just me being on there that I'm enjoying. I'm really enjoying learning about the sex work community and getting to know sex workers and hearing all of these different people's stories and their experience in the industry. And I think, I think it's very, very important to acknowledge that sex workers need to need to be treated better and need to have more protection. But I also think it's important to acknowledge the amount of grooming that takes place online when people start glamorizing the industry and porn and all of these things that are really detrimental for young women who are watching and listening and thinking, looking for an out, honestly, and seeing someone post like that and instantly think this is my escape because it's not. I, I don't, I don't encourage people to go into the sex and the sex work industry, but I also will like die to protect people who are in it especially in the last year like just getting to know so many sex workers and people who basically taught me how to be on OnlyFans because I for 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 as much as I'm considered a sex worker I know fucking nothing about the industry and I want to learn because I think it's irresponsible for me to be this quote-unquote face of it for better or worse and not know what's going on with the people who are actually in the industry. That's fascinating because it's that I uh, respect you a lot for saying that, that you've at one point really tried to take yourself out of that world. And now being on OnlyFans and knowing there are sex workers on there, you do want to continue to educate yourself on a world you were previously fully ingrained in, took yourself out of. And now I remember seeing you doing an interview and you had said, um, even just something as different as adjusting when a, say it's a porn company is handing a young girl 
a contract, kind of like what we were joking about in the perpetuity aspect, when you're handing a young girl a contract, just as simple as she's not allowed to sign it that day. What about even just putting, instilling that type of rule, just because like you said, you're sitting there with men staring at you as you're about to sign this contract. The word perpetuity is on there. You don't know what it means, but they're staring at you and you're feeling a little bit like, I guess I should just sign this because there's three men staring at me and like I don't understand half of these words and it's like embarrassing and you don't feel like you're you just are like I guess I should sign it for it to almost be instilled that like there needs to be some type of guidance there needs to be a lawyer in the room to help someone understand what they're signing protection because if the industry is allowed to target 18 year old girls those girls need protection in place you just as young females or males signing something that you don't have an understanding of is detrimental, especially when you're in your adolescent age of your brain is still forming. How are you going to make a smart decision when you don't even understand what's in front of you? Exactly. I mean, there's so many things. It's going to be cool to see what happens with our relationship because we had talked about last night um, the whole like child pornography thing and like what happens when you're younger. And if a girl, I didn't realize that when a girl's picture, if she takes a nudes and sends it to her boyfriend, most of the time they don't prosecute if it gets spread around because the female underage female also gets prosecuted for for distribution of underage porn. Even though it's her, it's a double edged sword. So no, she can't, she, these girls are backed, their back is against a wall because they can't report their image being circulated and sent around by the guy they sent it to, because then they would be admitting to procuring, distributing, taking underage pornography. How is that even? It's so fucked up. That's like, what did we say last night? We're like, let's put our suits on. What will oh we God. wear? We let's... need to write a bill, right. Alex. Can we you need, imagine? We need to get, yes. We need, yes, I can. Actually. Daddy thing is like, part. this episode has taken a turn. Mia and Alex are talking about passing a bill. <gasps> we will be there in our we nice We are going to be legislators. Dude, I, Mia, I think sitting down with you has been one of my favorite interviews just because I can tell how one genuine well you are genuinely authentic so smart so educated but also with your past to be sitting with you today you you can tell you've done the work you can tell that you have been through an experience but it's kind of as much as I said last night like although you would maybe take it back when you were younger like would you be sitting here had all this not happened you know what I mean no, I think I think that I would I would take back the reason why I made the decisions I made yep but Hey, man, it, it, it made me grow up very fast yeah. for better or worse. It made me grow up. I did not get to have the same early twenties as most people my age. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I regret that because I think that I would be in a different place at 28 than I am now. If I did, I think to hear the way you talk about your husband and to hear the way that you talk about your life right now, my friend Lauren and I are so corny recently, but we keep saying, I really do believe everything happens for a yeah. reason. You may not have met him. You may not, we may, may not even be sitting here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so to look at the positives of at what one point in your life was the darkest place in your life to see the woman you are today and to meeting you. And I feel like I've learned so much from you already. And I've, this is the second day I've hung out with you. It's inspiring, honestly, to be in your presence. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on call her daddy. I'm cheering up. Thank you for coming on call her daddy. I hope that I hope I'm excited to see where your journey takes you in your career. Me too. And I'm excited to see where we end up. I yeah. feel like we're already friends. Yeah, and me too. Th- thank you. Seriously. Thank you for, putting out the things that you put out because you have no idea who you're inspiring and how much you're inspiring them. You You made me, you made me feel like I can literally do anything I want. I can start a podcast if I want. Like I cannot believe she's doing it on her own, editing it, writing it, doing everything on her own. And also dealing with all of this shit she's dealing with, facing the internet, sitting in front of a camera with amazing lighting and talking about all of it. <laughs> amazing lighting. God, it took a minute that to New get York that. That like, apartment had great windows. It did. Great windows, great exposure. I love the way you had your walls set up yeah, with all of the, the shelves. shelves. The it was brit, so cute. The whole, yeah, mm, we love it. Oh, no, thank it, you. Mia. I have chills just like talking about that video. You ser- You seriously made me feel like... Oh my God, anything is possible. Thank you, Mia. You've been amazing. Daddy gang, go show her love. Tag yourself where they love find you. Love you, Daddy gang. It's just Mia Khalifa. Go follow her on all things social media. Go subscribe to her OnlyFans <laughs> so she can continue to use her money for good. I love you. I love you. Okay. Holy shit. Dude, that was great. Thank you. 
so much. Daddy gang, that is it for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. It was one of the most rewarding interviews I've ever done. Um, having gotten to know Mia on a personal level, on a interviewing podcast level, it all was such an unbelievable experience. I hope you guys took something from this interview. I know I did. And as if this day could not get any better. I wanted to give you guys a quick update that all of the merch that I have ever released in my life tonight is going on sale. Everything is 30% off. (gasps) Alex? What? Yes, you heard that right, bitches. I have been working on an entire new merch line. And as I work on that, I thought, why the fuck not do a nice fat fire sale and get you bitches hooked the fuck up. So go now. It will be for a limited time. And obviously, I'm only promoting it on the podcast for a little bit. So you guys can go first. Get your merch today. Go to Barstool.com. Go shop Call Her Daddy and get yourself hooked up with some nice Call Her Daddy gear because I know you bitches just like me are unwell. Daddy gang, you know the motherfucking drill. I will see you fuckers next Wednesday.